right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We praise him for his mercy. It's uh, another wonderful Sunday. Um, it is uh, April 10th, 2022. We are thankful because the Lord's mercies and um, blessings, man, they really are new every day. They're fresh every morning. Um, and we're very grateful that we have this opportunity um, um, with one another, and most of all, with the Lord. God's been giving us um, some good word. He's really um, knows what he really knows what we need, and he's really been uh, satisfying those needs. He, God's been providing, and um, that's a good thing to know that uh, God does provide because he does. Um, sometimes we don't realize what God is providing or just how much provision um, goes into um, our day-to-day -day life that um, is taking place, but we're not actively con or consciously aware of it. God is really providing everything that we need, and it goes beyond just the um, the things in the uh, in the natural or external to you, but even the things that we you know, that um, that that we don't perceive all the time for if, for example, the, the fact that your lungs can take in oxygen and breathe that out, that's a, that's an unconscious thing. That's something that you, these bodily functions and things, these are all provisions. And, and, and if, and, and if not for God, none of this stuff would work right. And so we thank God um, for a reasonable portion or measure of health and strength, no matter where we are, even if we don't have everything that we want or, or feel as great as we as we would like to, we thank God for what we have right now, for as good as we do feel. Or if it's not feeling good, we thank the Lord for the ability, ability to feel anything. Even that is a blessing. God is great and he's greatly to be praised. We're continuing in our scripture. We started um, last week we are looking at Second Chronicles chapter seven, um, brothers and sisters, and we're going looking at verses twelve through fourteen. Let's go ahead and read our scripture this morning. The Word of God says this: "And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain." Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. A lot of people miss that. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. May the Lord, as always, add a blessing to those that not just hear the word, but do the word. We said it before. It's kind of the, our little tagline. We're going to keep on saying it. The blessing is in the obedience. You're just not going to get anywhere with the word of God in God with um, being it or call yourself being in line with God all the while you and I refuse to do what he's told us to do. It just won't work. We can't be blessed that way. So brothers and sisters, every time you are in the presence of the word of God, when the word of God is going forward and he is giving you that and that thus his instruction is going forward, set yourself in advance to 
do what the word of God says. Decide from the very beginning that whatever God tells me to do, I am going to do it. Every time you are in the presence of hearing the word of God spoken or whatever form it is taking on, you, before you even get to it, or if you, or if that's if you know in advance, or as soon as you start to hear the word of God going forth, perhaps if you didn't know someone was going to be speaking the word of God, determine as soon as you start to hear the word of God, or before you hear the word of God in, ten, in anticipation of hearing the word of God, determine beforehand that I'm going to be obedient. Set your mind up from the very start, I am going to be obedient. Say and begin to declare, you know, just in yourself and in your mind that whatever God says, whether I agree with it, whether I like it, God's way is the best way. It is the correct way. It is the only way. And whatever God tells me to do, I am going to do. This is a heavy thing, and but yet is a thing that we need to do. Why? Because sometimes what we hear in the word of God is something that speaks directly against some of the things that we're doing. And so when we hear that, we're getting correction from the Lord. And it is very important. It is vital that when you receive instruction and correction from the Lord, that you follow the corrected behavior that he's laid out. You got to do what he tells you to do. God bless you um, to that person who hears the word and doesn't stop right there, but they convert on that. They do the word. They put it into action. Now, we are picking up this morning. We're picking up where we left off um, last week. We started um, talking in our Bible Matters series. We began talking about Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses twelve through fourteen. Now, this is a pretty, uh, this is a very famous passage of scripture, especially seven fourteen. Um, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Well, most people um, know that scripture, or many Christians know that scripture. It is very, it is often quoted often quoted. And many texts and sermons and messages and lessons and things go um, focus primarily on that. Not too many of them go beyond that or bring that, um, what has happened, what, what precedes all of that into the picture. Um, the chapter, verse 14 in uh, Second Chronicles chapter 7 is really not there for us to really do a deep dive so much into that. We're not going to be doing a deep dive in that particular verse, but really the verse that, that we... Um, that we're really getting into and, and where our lesson comes from is really verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Um, when you get to verses 13 and 14, um, and you take that together with verse number 12, so 12, 13, and 14 of Second Chronicles chapter 7. What you are actually looking at is the answer, the culmination answer of a prayer that literally precedes this in the scripture. Amen. Amen. The, it is a, um, it is God answering when the Lord says, if my people, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And he goes on uh, and on um, with all of these different things. What you are really looking at, amen, is the culmination or God's answer to a prayer that precedes it in Second Chronicles, but in chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. 
Solomon is now the king. David is off of the scene and he has, and he is firmly and, and, and uncontested. He is the undisputed king of Israel. He is the one that has succeeded his father. Amen. And, and, and when he became king, all right, we know that Solomon was blessed with wisdom. We know all of these things. We know wisdom and knowledge as the Bible teaches. We, we understand that. Okay. Um, we, um, but he also inherited a job or a task from his father. David was a man after God's heart. This is what the Bible teaches us. And David, through all of his faults, through all of his failures, he maintained a love and respect for God. I want to segue for just a moment. The Bible is very clear that we have sinned and that all have sinned. And we'll get to those scriptures and we'll deal with all that a little bit later. There are going to be times where you drop the ball. Amen. Obedience to the word will keep us from sinning. But the problem is, is that we're not always obedient. And so even as believers, there are times where we fall into sin, where we drop the ball and we just simply do what we are not supposed to do. And whenever we do what we're not supposed to do, the end result of that thing is the violation of God's law. In other words, we're walking in sin. Amen. Okay. And, and, be, and, and, and because of that, <clears throat> it can become very easy, especially for us who are, who are believers who fall into sin. Sin is very discouraging to us. Um, and it is a favorite of the enemy because he loves to use that because he knows that it is so discouraging to us that he can often play on our failures or our faults and are momentarily dropping the ball. And he can really use that to drum up guilt and shame. And oftentimes he can use that to kind of um, to um, get us to become stagnant in making full, forward progress with the Lord and in the will of God. He often uses those things. He uses and tries to exploit the fact that you and I drop the ball from time to time, and he wants to make a, the biggest deal out of it. That's not to say that we should minimize our sin. No, we don't minimize our sin. We got to own up to our sin, but we, which means that we got to admit that we've done wrong, right? But then we've got to confess it, and we've got to turn to God. David had faults, and he had failures, tremendous faults, tremendous failures, but David did not let the faults and failures keep him from moving forward with God. And that's what I want to encourage somebody who will listen to this, no matter where you are, no matter what you what you're doing in the world, listen, no matter what time of day or what's going on, you don't get a you don't get a pass for sin. No, that's not gonna happen. Okay. Sin is still sin. All right. But the Jesus paid the price for our sin. Man, and if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ, you've been water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you know it. You know, you know it, you know it through and through, and you'll know that you are because the Lord will have done what everything that He has said He 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 would do. Amen. Read Acts chapter two, verse started verse thirty six, and just keep right on going. You'll see exactly what a man or woman boy or girl must do in order to be saved. Amen. Acts chapter two, verse 36, all the way through the rest of the chapter there. 
Amen. Amen. <clears throat> nevertheless, with nevertheless, with that, we've got to turn from our sin and we have to turn towards God. David had many faults and failures, but he kept getting back up. You have got to get up. It's discouraging. And I know, you, you know, you, like, how could I have done that? And, and so on and so forth. But Jesus went to the cross and he paid for all of the sins, the ones that you have already committed in the past, the ones that you are committing presently. Hopefully you ain't sinning, but if you are, he did pay for those two. And he prayed for the ones that you have yet to commit. He paid for it all. The salvation that he provides is complete, but that does not absolve you and it doesn't put you off, get you off the hook. And it doesn't, and it is not an excuse to continue to purposely live wrong. No, you still got to repent. You still got to get it right. You still, why? Because walking in sin, you got to understand something. Although the Lord has chosen to forgive your sin, when you and I presently walk in sin, the, uh, the, the, the presence of sin in, a, in, the, in, in the daily life of the believer will break fellowship, okay? It will stunt growth and it will short circuit power. Amen. You need to know that. There is a consequence to walking in sin. You cannot live up to your spiritual potential at all if you are presently engaged in sin. Amen. And if you go too far with it, you need to understand something, because there is no such thing as once saved, always saved. A lot of people believe that, but the Bible does not actually teach that, not at all. No, 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 no. If you continue to go and become hardened in your sin, you will walk away from the salvation that God has given. God doesn't force anyone to stay. He's got the power and his spirit will keep you, but he keeps those that want to be kept. Those that want to be kept are those that when they fall, they get back up. Amen. One scripture tells a righteous man to fall seven times, but he's just going to keep getting up. Amen. He's going to keep getting right on up. Amen. Amen. So as we talk about second chronicles chapter seven 12 through 14 is an answer to a prayer that we learn about in second chronicles chapter one verses seven through ten amen and in that it brings us to the doorstep that is verse number 12 in second chronicles chapter seven where the Lord is now answering the prayer. And it is here that we dive into this concept of fresh starts and second chances, or second chances and fresh starts. Doesn't matter the order that you put it in, God provides it. Now the phrase of fresh start, we covered this last week and we'll start with this. We'll just jump into this real quick. A the phrase of fresh start is defined as meaning a complete change in your way of life or the way that you do things, especially after you have previously been 
unsuccessful. So I've been dropping the ball. Um, I've been doing things, living a certain way. I realized that it wasn't working. And so a fresh start is when, guess what? I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm changing my mind. I'm turning away from, I'm turning away from that. In other words, what we call this in spirit, in the spiritual realm is we talk is repentance, true repentance. I've changed my mind about what I'm do, doing. I realize that it is wrong. It is wrong before God. I don't want no part of it. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. And I'm going to try to pretend it's something that it isn't. I'm owning up to that thing, but I am turning away from my sin. The fr a fresh, uh, uh, a fresh start. Amen. Amen. A fresh start for a child of God or the fresh start that God offers us this day, amen, is obtained through repentance. We are able to have a fresh start through the avenue and vehicle of repentance. A fresh start happens when you turn away from sin and you turn towards God, amen. Now, the phrase, a second chance, is defined as meaning an opportunity to try something again after failing one time. Amen. So being second chance is being able to get up and try it again after you've already dropped the ball. That's second chance. We know this as mercy. Amen. And, and, and <laughs> forgiveness and mercy. Is what we tend is what we know these as. Okay. So when we talk about a fresh start, we're talking about true repentance. And when we're talking about a second chance, what we're talking about is walking in forgiveness and mercy. Amen. Amen. Make sure you understand those things. Now, although God is not and never will be okay with the sin of mankind, you need to understand that. There's never going to be a time where God is okay with sin. Even as a believer, yes, he went to the cross and died for your sin. And he paid for all of it. But just because he paid for all of it doesn't mean he's cool with it when you presently fall into it. He's given us his word to help you and I avoid falling into sin. That is what the word does. And that is what it is for. It will keep you from falling. Amen. Amen. The Bible teaches us very plainly in the book of Galatians, walk in the spirit. And you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen. You want to you want to be able to 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 avoid falling. You want to avoid being able to to you want to avoid dropping the ball and and operating in sin and 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 uh and 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 always having to start over and always having to to do things all over again over and over if you if you want if listen if you don't want to to do that if you don't want to have to always start over then you're going to have to walk in the spirit you're going to have to walk in obedience to the word of God. There's just no substitute for that. There's nothing that 
that you and I can, can do besides obedience to keep us from falling in sin in the first place. Brothers and sisters, everyday failures in sin are preventative. Remember, the word God tells us with every temptation, he has what? Made a way of escape. Bible tells us that. Amen. We learned that in the New Testament. With every temptation, he has made what? A way of escape. That means that you and I do not have to fall. Yes, we have a sinful nature. And yes, it antagonizes us. And yes, it is our greatest enemy. It absolutely is. But my brothers and sisters, the Lord has given us victory. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yeah, you got you got problems. Yeah, you got issues. But you know what else you got? You got victory. You got power. You got authority. You have God who is on your side who will help you and cause you to rise above your limitations as a human being. The Lord can do what nobody else can do. The question is, is do you and I want him to do it? See, when you got a secret love affair with sin going on, then, then you tipping and dipping and creeping and doing all these things. And of course, you end up slipping into all manner of unrighteousness. I end up slipping into all manner of unrighteousness if I do not live a life that is yielded to the spirit of God. You can't have this world and have God too. And somebody listening to this that is your problem right now. See, you want God, but you want this world too. But the word is very plain. If you love the world, you hate God. You can't serve two masters. You can't go after the things of this world and go after God too. No. If you go after the world, you can't go after God. And if you go after God, he doesn't allow you to go after the world. But the way it works in God's kingdom is that if you prioritize God, if you go after God, you don't have to go after the world because going after God will cause him or result in him giving you what you need of the world. So the portion that you need that is in the world, God will provide. You don't have to go after all that. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and what all these things will be added unto you. You're spending some, all your time trying to make this world work. But what you need to be doing is spending time to make that life work. You need to focus on making that walk work. By setting your heart and your mind to be obedient to the word of God and yielded to the moving of the Holy Ghost. 
Because as long as you got your priorities out of order, you are going to have a, listen, let me tell you something. You are going to have a, 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 a lifestyle. A, a, you're going to have a walk that is devoid of the power it can have. You are going to be short-circuited. You're going to be short-circuited. Now, although God will never be okay with sin, he's not going to, he, listen, he's not going to negotiate with it. He's not coming to your negotiation table. You're not getting ready to hold God hostage with your, with, with your sin and threaten, and threaten to continue in sin. If he don't bless you, it ain't going to work like that. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. You don't strong arm God. You don't come to God with, Lord, if you just do this for me. No, 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 no. God don't have to do nothing for you. He wants to do something for you, but he does not have to. You need to respect that. You're talking to the most high. You're talking to the sovereign one. You're talking to he who is absolute. You're talking to Jesus. He don't have to bargain with you. You have nothing to offer. And that that you do have, he give to you. What you need to give to God is a broken heart and a contrite spirit, a mind and a heart that is broken over sin, that is repentant over sin, and that is turning towards God. You got to say, God, I'm giving you the best of my service because you're worthy. You can't base that on, on all the stuff that he do for you. You don't have to do that. Lord, if you just get me off of this bed of affliction, then I'll serve you. Hold on. News flash. You can serve God while you own your bed of affliction. Everybody that come near you, you can lift up the name of Jesus. You might not have the strength to go and do what everybody else does, but that don't mean you are out of the game. Let me tell you something. If God got breath in your body and you got a voice or you got a hand or you have functionality in whatever way, you can use it for the glory of God. You got the whole God hostage, make some kind of ridiculous bargain. Hold on. God is too worthy for all that. God is too worthy for all that. And I know a lot of us have done that. I've done that myself. But I realize that that's foolishness. So I'm endeavoring not to do that no more. Lord, if you just do this, I'll do it. Nah, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Brother Walker, who are you? That you're getting ready to bargain with God. If you do this, and if he do this, you're going to do that. When did you put the sun in the sky? Since when did you turn the rain on? When did nature start obeying your command? No, see, I, I can't do that, fam. You can't do it either. You can't do that. We serve God because he's worthy. You don't have to do nothing for us. He already done enough. I'm so glad that he loves us so much that he does keep doing. And it is his pleasure to do. He wants to do it. See, the things that God does for you is because he wants to do it. 
And you have to have, I have to have respect for that, that those blessings, they come from God because he wants to do that. Not because I make some kind of nonsensical bargain with him or all offer <laughs> to do what I can't do. Haven't you heard it's better not to, it's better not to vow a vow than to vow one and break it? And last time I checked, if you ain't got power to turn one hair on your head, great. If you don't have the authority to make yourself grow one inch, one millimeter or whatever it is, if you ain't got the power to do any of that, you know what? You best stay safe and don't bargain with God. Just do what he tell you to do. Let your yeas be yea and your nays be nay. Either you can do it or you can't. Adding all this other stuff. That's where sins start coming in. Instead of making all this, Lord, I promise to this. No, why don't it's, listen, ask the Lord to help you, God. I want to do this, but God, I got this nature, and sometimes it antagonizes me. Sometimes I drop the ball, but I know that you know my heart. You know how I feel about you. You know that I love you, God, and I'm asking you, God, to help me glorify you. Don't get all off into promising what you know, what you can't keep. Uh-uh, sidestep all that. You got the Holy Ghost to help you. God don't need you to promise all that stuff. He just needs you to be obedient. He'll help you with that. Going around putting yourself on the hook for stuff that you can't do. That's nonsense. Don't do that. God would rather that when the Lord tells you it's better to not vow, vow, than to vow, a vow and break it. God, literally what that means is, is God is saying, I would rather you not God is literally saying, just stop, 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 stop. I would rather you not make some kind of commitment that you know you can't keep. God would rather you, God would rather you let him partner with you and help you. Just tell him what you want to do. Tell him how you feel about it. Ask him his blessings on that and go for, ask him to help you do it. Because at the end of the day, you don't control anything. And listen, and, and, and in order to make good on your, truly make good on those vows, you're going to need God's help. Ask the Lord to guide your desires and your ambition so that they are going in the right direction and that they glorify him. God will never be okay with sin. And although he is and never will be, if, although he is not, and never will be okay with the sin of mankind. Nevertheless, it is not God's desire that mankind be destroyed. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing, what? That any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Amen. God is not wishy-washy. God doesn't make promises and break it. That's what he's saying. He's not slack concerned. He don't just tell you stuff and then don't do it. See, God is so airtight. He, he tells you what he's going to do, and then he tells you what he's not going to do. If you don't, he says, he lays it out. He don't leave no gray areas. And God is faithful to both the blessing and the curse. He's faithful to the blessing if you do with your part, and he's, and he's faithful to curse you if you don't do your part. God is faithful. Because he does what he says. He says what he means, and he means what he says. Amen. Now, this is very humbling to us. Why? It's humbling because when we 
take a big, when we look at the big picture, it's humbling that God, even though we dropped the ball and even though we deserve to be destroyed, it's very humbling to know that it is God has decided that that's not his desire, that you and I be destroyed. It's humbling because he doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be his choice. We've done more than enough to really just warrant God, to warrant destruction really probably like a bajillion times over, seriously. We are, I mean, it's like, no, I mean, it's no hiding it. <laughs> we, have, we have earned our demise over and over and over again. No, yes, we were born with sin and that part wasn't our fault. But, but after that, the sin that we engaged in, that was a choice and that was our fault. That is absolutely our fault. And also absolutely why, re reason why repentance is absolutely necessary. You're not innocent and I'm not either. But we need the innocency, the innocency of Jesus Christ to cover us, to cover our guilt, to wash away our sin. And nothing washes away sin better or at all beside the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Power in that blood. The ultimate stain remover. Remove stain so good, removes the stain from your soul. Yeah, you need that. I needed that. And if you listen today and you don't have that, that's available. I told you before, you don't know what to do. How do you get, how do you, how do you partake of that? Open up your Bible, look at the book of Acts, start at chapter two, look at verse 36 and just keep reading. And what you see them do in that scripture set, you got to do. And everything that happens there, God will do for you. You got to turn from your sin. You got to repent of your sin. And you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when he fill you with the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to be wondering. You're going to know because you will speak in other tongues. That is absolutely what will happen. What he did back then, he doing it today. Don't accept no salvation different than what you see in the book of Acts. Because it ain't real. It's a knockoff. You got to get it the way the Bible says. And as you see it in the scripture, you got to follow the same pattern. And if you do that, you, friend, you ain't going to have to worry about your salvation. You're going to know you got it. You're going to know it. You're going to know it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. That is some good news. So it's humbling to know, to realize that God, although he has the right to destroy us, he has determined that that is not what he wants to do. So you know what that means? It means that God desires to give second chances. When Solomon and the people finished building the temple of God, and we talked a little bit about, about that, in fact, a lot about that in the last week. And so we won't go, we won't deep dive into all of that because we've already covered that. But when Solomon and the people finished building the temple of God, Solomon put that wisdom and that knowledge that God gave him Amen. That he was blessed with. He put it to good use. Amen. Amen. He put it to good use. Look at Second Chronicles. 
chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. Amen. Second Chronicles 7 through 10. And that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge. Notice he asked for not just wisdom and knowledge. Amen. Amen. One guides the other. One is the safety buffer for the other. Amen. Wisdom is the safety buffer for knowledge. Amen. Knowledge deals with the application and deals with every deals deals with what you will do or what needs to be done. But wisdom gives the context of when to do what to do. Amen. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this thy people that is so great. Now, when we get to our text, Solomon uses. God is answering Solomon's prayer because Solomon used that wisdom and that knowledge. In the scriptures prior. He used it in the request that he actually made. When you get to 2 Chronicles 7, 14, God is actually starting at verse 12 through 14, God is answering the prayer that Solomon used that wisdom and knowledge in order to pray. And this is heaven. You're going to see this. Wisdom, let's talk about this for just a moment. Wisdom comes in two varieties, okay? There's two flavors for the wisdom. It is either from above or it is from below. Wisdom is either from above or wisdom is from below, okay? And each type has characteristics that identifies what type or what kind of wisdom it is. Look at James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, and we see this very plainly. Amen. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. That conversation actually means conduct. So that means your lifestyle, the way that you walk, what you are actually doing, the way you are living. Okay. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Amen. So if he's a wise man and he's endowed with knowledge, what did Solomon get blessed with wisdom and knowledge, right? Ain't that what he asked for? We read that. Second Chronicles 1, 7 through 10. That's what he asked for. Now we're in James 3, 13 through 17. And now the buffer or the context, the, the guideline for this, for wisdom is being laid out. He said, who is a wise man that endued with knowledge <clears throat> among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or in his living, his works with meekness, right? And with meekness of wisdom. Amen. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. In other words, but if on the inside, what you're doing, this, this wisdom and knowledge that you're putting to use, if on the inside, you're really doing it uh, out of bitterness and envying and, and, and strife and all this other kind of stuff. When he says glory not, he said, don't look at that as a badge of honor. And he said, and, and, and lie not against the truth and, and don't pretend that that ain't what you're doing. <laughs> that's, literally, that's literally what he's saying here. He's saying, but that wisdom that you're showing, 
if it's really coming out of envying and strife, if that if if what you're doing at the knowledge, if you putting it to use out of envying and, and, and this strife and all this other kind of stuff, he said, look, that ain't a badge of honor and don't try to pretend that that's not what you're doing because it's exactly what you are doing. That is exactly what I'm doing. He said, don't we, he said, he's telling us don't pretend. Verse 15, this wisdom, now I give you, telling you where it come from because that's a type of wisdom. That operation, that way of operating is out of a type of wisdom. And now he's telling you where, what type of wisdom that behavior is. He says, this wisdom, descended not from what above and i tell you it come from two flavors but it is earthly sensual devilish for where envying and strife is there is confusion and every evil work oh i hope you see it i told you it come from two places either from above or it's from below amen and when I say below, that I'm not saying it comes from hell. No, I'm saying it's earthbound. Its origin is earth. It's earthly. It's natural. It's humanistic. Amen. It's not spiritual. Okay? Look at verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Now 17. But the wisdom that is from above, glory to God. Look at this. It's first pure then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's that good wisdom. That's the wisdom that comes from above. Wisdom comes in two varieties. Either comes from above or comes from below. Now, operating, my next point, Operating in wisdom and knowledge that is from above, because that's the one that we want to focus on, not the one from the below. That's pretty self-explanatory. But when we talk about the wisdom that is from above, operating in the wisdom and knowledge that is from above, it was operating in that kind of wisdom that allowed Solomon to do a, to do a few things. It allowed him to, number one, accurately perceive a problem. Because he was operating in that wisdom and knowledge that was from above, he was able to accurately perceive a problem. He was able to look at a problem the right way and not go all off the rails and, and, and misjudge the thing. Because his wisdom was from and knowledge was from above that he was operating in this text. The second thing that happened was that he was able to correctly assess the need. So not only was he able to identify, to accurately identify the problem, but then he was actually able to accurately identify the solution. Glory to God. And then three, having all that in tow, all because he operated in wisdom that was from above, he was able to perceive the problem. He was able to assess the problem. And then finally, he was able to pray the appropriate prayer to deal with it. Because he correctly understood what it was and he correctly understood what was needed. Because he was operating in wisdom and knowledge that was from above. A life that is led by the spirit. A life that is, that is lived, submitted to the moving of the Holy Ghost will enable you and I to pray 
prayers that are beyond ourselves. Glory to God. Glory to God. When you operate in the wisdom and the knowledge that is from above. And in order to do that, it means you are, you've got to be yielded to the spirit of God. When that is present and accounted for, it will enable you to pray for prayers that go beyond your capacity. See, unaided by the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't know what to pray. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what to say. But when God is in the picture, all of a sudden, God will put words in your mouth at the right moment, at the right time, and he'll cause you to pray a prayer that is so airtight. My goodness, glory to God, glory to God. And so that brings us to a very interesting question. What are you praying for? What are we praying for? And are we praying amiss? Look at James 4 and 3. Ye ask and receive not because you what? Ask amiss. Amen. That ye may consume it upon your lust. When the Bible says you ask amiss, a lot of people don't know what that what what amiss actually means. But amiss means it, it means you ask wrong. It means you asked amiss simply means actually means that you asked in an evil, wicked or improper manner. That's what it means. To ask amiss is to ask for a thing out of the wrong heart and wrong mind. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I hope you do. I hope you do. You're asking for a thing the wrong way. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That means that what you're asking for could be a good thing, but it's because your motive behind asking for it is wrong. The prayer is not answered. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's what it means to pray amiss. It means you're praying and you're asking wrongly. You're asking badly. It doesn't mean that what you're asking for is necessarily a bad thing. No, you are out of order. Doesn't mean what you're asking for is out of order. It means you are out of order. And what he's saying is many people are praying and asking for things, some of them are good, but even those, it's not happening. Why? Because the motive is wrong. The heart is wrong. You're praying amiss. You are praying in a manner that is improper. You, you, you hear what I'm telling you? That can mean also mean that you're praying out of the you're praying for a thing out of season. And you won't know the season if you're not operating in wisdom and knowledge that's from above. You go pray out of context. You're going to be asking for things that God is not doing in this season. And whenever you pray and begin to ask God for things out of season, you're about to get a whole bunch of no. That's why it is important, family, that you get in tune with 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the same mind that is in Christ Jesus be also in you. Why? Because in him is that wisdom and knowledge that is from above. And if you got the mind of Christ in you, you'll discern things correctly. Glory to God. It will allow you to pray for things beyond your capacity, beyond your ability. Look at Romans 8 and 26. Glory to God. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we are, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You got to have that wisdom and knowledge from above. Which really just means that you got to have what? The mind of Christ. Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And God just dumps it on you. He don't even give you like a little bit. He just, he just dumps it on you. If you want it. If you want it. The prayer that Solomon prayed was so appropriate, amen, for the situation that was at hand at the time. He, because Solomon operated in wisdom and knowledge from above, and I told you, it allowed him to accurately perceive the problem. It allowed him to correctly assess the need, and then it allowed him to pray the appropriate prayer to deal with it because he operated in wisdom and knowledge that was from above. Second Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 14, is the answer to, the, to that type of prayer that preceded it. See, because Solomon prayed a prayer that proceeded out of that wisdom and knowledge that was from above. And when you get to Second Chronicles 7, 12 through 14, what you are actually reading it's God's response to that type of prayer. That prayer that Solomon prayed out of that wisdom and knowledge, using it the right way, it was so appropriate for the situation at hand that if you carefully observe To this very day, you will see that God is actually still answering that prayer to this very day. <laughs> Glory to God. Can you imagine that? Praying a prayer that is so on point, so in tune with the spirit of God, that God answers that prayer for generations to come. How do you pray a generational prayer? A generationally answered prayer? How do you pray that kind of prayer? You got to operate in wisdom and knowledge from above. You got to be yielded to the spirit. That prayer was so appropriate that if you observe it, that careful observation today, reveals that God is still answering that prayer to this very day. 
And why? Deuteronomy 7, 9 tells us this. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he what? He is God, the faithful God. He is the faithful God. Did you see that? The faithful God. He is God and he is the faithful God. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandment to a thousand generations. Why would God keep right on answering? Generation after generation. Because we serve a covenant-keeping God. He not wishy-washy. Amen. No, he's not. He's not a wishy-washy God at all. Didn't I tell you, 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slack. No, no, no. He's not wishy-washy. He is a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeper. What he says he'll do, he's going to do. When you decide that you're going to put your faith and your trust in God, brother or sister, you got to know that your faith is well-placed because you've put it in the hands of a God that keeps covenant. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. When I ask God to do something, and if God says, yes, I got his word, and he don't go back on his word, he's a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. Amen. 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 See, sin has consequences. And engaging in sin We'll always cause God to withhold his blessings. This is not a secret. Engaging in sin, because sin has consequences, will always result in God or cause God to withhold his blessings from you. And instead, in place of his blessing, what you're going to end up getting is his wrath or his chastisement. Now, if you are unsaved, you're going to get his wrath. If you are saved, you're going to get his chastisement. Amen. Okay. And that will always happen. And the Bible is not quiet on this. Look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 11. Yea, all Israel have transgressed the law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, why? Because we have sinned against him. Look at Jeremiah chapter five. Look at verse 25. Your iniquities have turned away these things. Your sins have withholden good things from you. Are we not convinced yet? Look at Romans chapter six. Look at verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sin has consequences. And as I said, the Bible's not quiet on it. You engage in sin, you're getting ready to lose because it's going to always cause God to withhold blessings and good things that could come your way. And I just gave you three scripture sets that prove that. Daniel 9 and 11, uh, 911, Jeremiah 525, Romans 623. You need to understand, sin is an emergency. It's an emergency. And it's got to be dealt with. Glory to God. Sin has consequences. And it will always result in God withholding blessings and let's stick a pin in it right here for today it is not God's desire to destroy you he doesn't want that Ezekiel chapter 18 tells us very plain that God has no pleasure when the wicked die, he don't, in other words, that ain't a secret joy or pastime of his to be going around destroying people. God don't want to do that. He didn't create you to be destroyed. He didn't create you for that. For some strange, just fantasy of going around destroying. He didn't do that. He created you because he loves you. And he loves you still, but he does not love the sin that you and I are engaged in. You need to understand that. And you got to stop trying to hand God you and your sin. By that, I mean not giving him your sin to have it washed away. But more so giving him you and your sin as a package deal. Lord, this is me, but I'm still going to keep doing this too. No, you can't do that. You got to turn from your wicked ways. You got to turn from incorrect thinking. I got to turn from my wicked ways. I got to turn from my incorrect thinking. I got to stop trying to get over on God. You got to stop trying to get by with the stuff that God plainly says he has no pleasure in and it's wrong. Because as long as you and I keep doing that, we won't be blessed. Solomon prayed a prayer that impacted generations. And next week, we'll get into what that prayer actually was. Glory to God. Looking like this will probably end up being a three-part series, this being part number two of, 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 of second chances and fresh starts. Solomon prayed a prayer that impacted generations. And he was able to do so because he operated in the wisdom and knowledge that was from above. He didn't always do that. When you fast forward into the life of Solomon, you find that he quickly started using, eventually started using that wisdom and knowledge for the wrong stuff. He started using that stuff from below, operating in that type. 
And you really see it all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, all the different things that he, as he outlines what he, uh, what he applied that wisdom and knowledge to. He didn't always apply it to the right thing. But on this day and at this point and at this stage in his life, Solomon used that wisdom and that knowledge to its greatest effect in that he prayed a prayer that was so appropriate and so airtight that God would end up answering it for generations to come. Brothers and sisters, I hope you had a wonderful time and, and came away informed with this lesson. We're going to stick a pin in it right here. We're going to stop it right here. And we will pick this up next week as we continue on in our study dealing with second chances and fresh starts. It will be part three next week. Until then, God bless you and have a wonderful Sunday. We're stopping the recording here. Wow.